0: Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Well, good morning. Music's been good. It's fun to sing Christmas carols. You like Christmas carols? I like Christmas carols. It's, uh... one of those. Sometimes when you stop and listen to them, or just read the words, or think about it, it's like, wow, that's kind of true. <laughs> um, and we only sing them one time of year for about a month, and uh, but it speaks of Christ coming and and the different things without all, throughout all of those carols, and so. Um, just, I, I enjoy singing Christmas carols. But at any rate, thank you again for being here and guests again for being a part of our service this morning. And um, it's uh, been good so far. And uh, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to, to what God has out of the service or the sermon. And uh, I'm going to talk, I'm going to kind of go a little bit just beyond the actual. Birth this morning, and we're not going to talk specifically about the, the 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 birth of Christ, and we're going to be in Luke chapter two. But I'm going to I'm going to kind of skip over some of the uh, uh, the the initial stuff within the manger, and we'll go a little bit beyond that. But I'm looking forward to uh, Christmas and for what what the holiday season is and what it brings. And um, let me ask you this: How many of you? I'm going to talk about a faithful wait this morning, and so I'm going to ask you the question. If you have kids or whatever it would be, the excitement of Christmas is a lot of fun. Would, I, would you agree with me? I, I would agree. I don't know. Maybe the older you get, it's not as exciting anymore, and I think I'll, I'll speak of that here in a moment. But I have children from the ages of 10 all the way down to the age of 3. And so in that age group, the 10-year-old is still kid enough, not yet teenager where everything's not cool, and the, the younger ones are just, you get the Christmas list every day, you, you get told what you want every day, um, and they're excited about Christmas. It's something how that changes the older that we get where it's not nearly as exciting, right? Maybe for you it is, but I, re- I remember being a teenager and I was like, okay, I pretty much know what's going to come in the gift in the box it's going to be packaged and I'm going to I've already asked for that thing and I already I know my big gift. I know, you know, I'm going to get socks, and I'm going to get underwear and we're going to have all of those things cuz that's what we all get. And there's going to be one or two things that I'm going to go, "Oh, wow, I didn't expect that. Thank you." But for the most part, the older that you get, you pretty much know what you're what's under there. And we we were always in our home, we we always did a a number of things that were kind of traditional things at our home. One of them leading up to Christmas, we would always have a Christmas party, and I don't remember really who was even invited to our Christmas party, but we had a Christmas party. I remember neighbors would come and, and some family and friends, but we would always have a Christmas party and Santa would show up at our house prior to Christmas. Now I don't know what you think of Santa. We're not gonna go there this morning. That's really let me just how about this? We believe in Santa at our house, so if you don't, don't tell my kids there's no such thing. I like to have fun with that. If you think I'm now a heretic, then I apologize, but anyway. So at our home, when I was growing up, we would have Santa come, come and we would have a Christmas party. And every year, we would eat, and we'd do those things, and then we'd wait for the knock on the, the door or the bells. Ah, Santa's coming. We'd go, and Santa and Mrs. Claus would come, and they would sit upstairs, and all the kids would sit on his lap, and he would have gifts. And I don't know where he got them from. I'm assuming my parents gave them. But nonetheless, that would take place, and we would have a lot of fun with that. Other things that we would do, I remember going to my great-grandparents' house. I remember going to my grandparents' house, and we would do the different, you know, the kind of go to this family on this this day you go to this family and this time you go on the other side of the family and all those kinds of things and we would spend time with family but it was always this we were always it seems like you're always waiting when you're young right when do i get to open my gifts when do we get to go eat when do we when do we when what is next what is next what is next well in our house we would get up usually my oldest sister would wake everybody up at like i don't know what time it was ungodly but nonetheless my oldest sister would always wake us up. Then we'd go out and we'd look, "Ah, there's presents under the tree." And we'd get excited and we would look and try to figure out what was what. And then it was always we have to go upstairs and try to wake up mom and dad who are acting like they're asleep who really are just as excited as us cuz they're excited for us to open the presents. I'm finding that out. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm finding that out as a parent. You kind of wait for them because and then some of you, But anyway. So So we do this and we go downstairs and we're all like, okay. And then dad's like, all right, we got to read the Christmas story. And We're like, don't we, we, we all try to act spiritual, right? And so then we'd wait again and we're sitting in front of the tree with all of the presents. And there we are. Dad's reading the Christmas story. Or dad would say this every year. Well, I can't really read this well. Do you want to read this? And he'd look at my mom. Or as we got older, it was, which one of you want to read this this year? And we're all like, nobody wants to read the Christmas story. Let me open the gifts. But we would read the Christmas story. And then as you get older, you would maybe share some things about the family or share things that, that, that happened that year, whatever it would be. And the older that we got, those moments became more precious to us. I remember as I got older and sharing things, we would cry or other, whatever that would be. But when we were kids, we were, I don't care. None of us care. But there was a waiting period. If you have kids at home, there's probably somewhere in your house where there's like a number that's been counting down however many days until Christmas comes. If you don't, in my house there is. But we're excited, we we wait, we're always excited for the the Christmas day thing to happen. Or if you do Christmas Eve, I'm sorry, but Christmas Eve for you. But whatever that would be, there's always that kind of anticipation, there's that wait. Well this morning I want to take us to a passage of scripture in Luke chapter number 2, and And it's one of those passages of scripture that I'm sure most of us have read at some point in time throughout our lives. We've all had, most of us have probably read through the Christmas story and you get to a certain place and usually we kind of stop because it kind of ends, he was born and so on and so forth. But as I was doing my study and I was really kind of praying, okay God, what would we have on the the day or the Christmas the Sunday before Christmas, I wrapped up the series last week and I have kind of two weeks before another sermon series starts. And, and I'm kind of going through this and I'm reading and I, I get to this place and I, I start just kind of asking myself some questions. Because if, if we were to go back, and I'm not going to take long in history of it, but if we were to go back prior to Christ, there was a long time of silence. Do we remember? 400 years of silence from the close of the Old Testament up until Christ. 400 years of silence. And think about that for those who have faithfully practiced within the Jewish culture, within the the Jewish religion at that time, and they had faithfully practiced and they had faith. 400 years of silence. Just let me ask you this question this morning. If there was no correspondence within your faith, how long would you last and how long would you continue to be faithful in it? I get asked this question often, and I have been asked this question often a number of different times, but the question of, I don't feel like God hears me. I don't feel like like there's a communication there anymore. It's been really quiet. What if it was really quiet for your entire life? you got to think, there's generations, 400 years a long time. Well, this morning we're going to get to a passage of Scripture here, and we're going to talk about two people that faithfully waited. And I don't know, because it doesn't really say anything in these passages, and some of the... The commentary and the study of it—that's pretty. It's a lot of uh, thought based on the history of the time as to really what took place within this this time frame. But as I look and as we will read these two or this passage of scripture, I want to take us some of the history leading up to at what was what had just taken place. And so I'm not going to read all of the scripture, but we know in Luke chapter 2, and it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And so we, we kind of know the, the story there. And as we continue to go on in verse 5, and to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were acor- accomplished that she should be delivered. And they, she brought forth their firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So in Luke 2 and verse 7, we see that Christ was born. They brought Him and laid Him in the manger. Well, as we continue to go through throughout the Jewish culture and customs, we are finding ourselves, as we go to to verse number 22, as we go to verse number 22, and when the days of her... Well, I'm sorry, let's go to 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was also or which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So we got eight days later, there was the circumcision. and if we were to go back again, I'm not going to go through all of the Old Testament, but based on the laws of the Old Testament, the mosaic or the uh, the, the mosaic laws and the things there, we have the circumcision in verse twenty two and when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so, we kind of see a leading up to where we are. So we understand eight days circumcision. Then we have this days of purification. So the days of purification come out of um, Numbers chapter 18. I believe that's on the screen, but Numbers chapter 18, there's a passage of Scripture there. And those that are to be redeemed from a month old shalt thou redeem according to thine estimation for the money of five shekels. And so we look here. And we see this purification should take place, this, this redeeming that should take place here, five shekels that are to be given. And as we continue, so we're looking now at roughly 41 days that Jesus is 41 days old. So we had the, the circumcision, then we have the purification, and then we have the, the redeeming. And I think I messed up the... the, the uh, verse there, but I apologize. But we we have these things. Uh, So I'm sorry, the redeeming took place, then the purification. So then there was a purification of Mary, which was accomplished as they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So again, I apologize on that. So we have the circumcision, then the purifying, or the redeeming, then the purifying. I keep reading these backwards on my notes here. So 31 days was the redeeming. 41 days was the purifying. You're like, why am I going through all these things? I'm, taking you, I'm trying to take you through to where we find these people and what has taken place through this and why Jesus was at the temple and why He was going there. So they were going to the temple for purification. It called for a sacrifice. Now, based on sacrifice, it was different because of... A lot of it was different because of your what you could afford. It was. It called for a lamb... And a dove. If you couldn't afford a lamb, then you would bring two doves or two pigeons. So, based on that, we would understand that Mary and Joseph did not have a lot of money because they brought a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. So, as we continue to go through, they were bringing that for the the redeeming of what was what was again a part of the Mosaic law. All these things were part of the law Jesus was born under. This is something that just has blown my mind throughout my study of Christm- and some of these stuff this year. We understand that Jesus came to fulfill the law and then later it was said that he was abolishing the law. But he was born under the law. In Galatians 4, in verse number 4, he says that... But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And though He rejected man's religious traditions, He obeyed God's law perfectly. Then if we go back in Galatians again in verse number or chapter 3, He bore the curse of the law for us. So Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He bore and He took upon the curse for us. Then we see in Galatians 5 that He now is setting us free. Is that up there? I didn't put it up there. I apologize. So Galatians 5 and verse number 1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so we see all these things kind of leading us up as Jesus walked and talked and did what Christ did Under the law, perfection. One thing that could not happen was nobody could hold the law. Nobody was good enough and righteous enough to to hold all the law. And so we kind of go through this, and and based on the law is why I'm sharing this, that Jesus with Mary and Joseph, they went to the temple to do all of these things. And so as we come, if you go to Luke chapter 2, And we'll start reading in 25, and really this is kind of the bulk of my message this morning, and I promise it will not be long. But in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 25, it says, and you can read with me, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was received unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, parents brought in the brought in the child Jesus to to do for him after the custom of the law. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to light in the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people is Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, and Simeon blessed their, yeah, and Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, behold this child is set for the fail or for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through your, mine, thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts, May be revealed, and there was all. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asser. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Let's pray and then we'll get into the passage this morning. Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you for this uh, passage of scripture that we're going to read. Lord, I thank you for these two people. Just normal, everyday folks. But Lord, they waited and they obeyed. Father, for many, many, many years, as we'll see, they waited for you. God, I thank you. Lord, I pray that this morning this passage would open our hearts, that truth would be taught through your word. Lord, that we would leave different from when we came. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So here's where we are. We see Simeon in in verse number 25, a man in Jerusalem. Again, everyone prior to him, the last 400 years of silence, And he is waiting for the Messiah. It's it's guesstimated that he was roughly 113 years old. Obviously a man up in age. Some believe that he was the son of the famous Rabbi Hillel. Some believe he was also the father of Paul's mentor Gamaliel. Simeon was the president of the Sanhedrin in A.D. 13. And this is just some historical facts, but... In the Mishnah, which tells of great rabbis and their achievement, achievements. If you were to go in through the, the Jewish culture, uh, they have the book that's entitled the Mishnah. And inside of that, it, it's written of great rabbis and the many things that they've done. Though this Simeon was the president of the Sanhedrin, he is ignored and not even mentioned in the Mishnah. Some of that could be because of his belief in Christ. We're not for sure of that. But as we get into this this morning, I want to take a look at this text that speaks of two individuals who waited faithfully. And I want to look at some things that they did that caused them to wait. That caused them to do and and be patient maybe for the coming Messiah. And so as we look at The first point is that they listened. If we go to chapter number 2 again in verse 25 as we, we just read, we see that Simeon was a man that was, it says in verse 25, that he was just and devout. And it says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and that the Holy Ghost was upon him. As we continue to go in verse 26, it says that it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he would see Christ. I don't, I can just speak for myself. Everyone prior to me and the generations of people prior to me have told me stories and stories and stories. And here I sit, and the Holy Spirit has came upon me and said, Hey, Aaron or Simeon, you're not going to die until after you've seen Christ. I don't know what goes through your mind. I don't like to think, I wish I, I, I like to think I am, but I really don't think that I am the most patient individual in the world. At 113 years old, this man, I don't know how many times he went to the temple to wait. I don't know if he had read and he was following any of the the other readings and the other scriptures from the Old Testament. And so he kind of knew the times. I really don't know. And it doesn't say anything about it. Everything that I read, really, there was very little about this man. But the faithfulness of a man to hear the Holy Spirit speak into his heart and say, Hey, you wait. You wait. God, it's been 75 years now you've been telling me to wait. You wait. God, but it's 80 years. You wait. 113 years old. I don't know who the oldest person is in this room. But you tack on 20 years to your life. And let me come to you and ask you. If when you were a teenager, somebody said you're going to wait and you're going to see something before you die. And you're now in your ages of 90 or upper 80s or whatever. If you're still believing that you're going to be seeing that thing before you die. 70, 80, 90, 100 years of waiting And again, I don't know if he was told that when he was a child. I don't know if he was told that 10 minutes ago. It doesn't really say, but it says that he was spoken to and he came by the Spirit into the temple in verse 27. I like to go back for just a brief moment and look where it says in verse 25 that he was just and devout or he was righteous and devout. If we were to go even to Luke chapter 1 and verse number 6, another passage of scripture, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. So if we were to look at the definition in chapter, or chapter 1 and verse number 6 of righteousness, it's that they were walking in the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord and that, that they were blameless. So I have to think of Simeon as somebody that walked in the ordinances and walked in the commandments and that he was a blameless man. People looked at him and thought that he was an upstanding guy. So if I were to continue to go blameless, when we think of righteous, when we think of these different things, I don't know what you think, but I look at myself, I don't really think of myself as righteous too often. I know in my standing between me and God, I am righteous in God's eyes. But when I think of myself, I don't think of righteous. I think sometimes that we look at other people and go, oh, they're, they're a better Christian than me, and they're a better Christian than me. But this, the, the Word of God says that, that, these pe- that he, Simeon, was just and devout, a righteous man. And it says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Have you ever met somebody where you just genuinely say, the Holy Spirit is in that, there's no doubt that that person, man, woman, whatever, is just filled with the Holy Ghost all the time. Have you ever met that person? Where there's just no doubt in your mind that that they walk with God. That they talk with God. That there's a relationship with God. I think of people like that. I think of people that I go to and I say, listen, I have a need. Will you pray for me? Because I don't know what it is. I know I can pray and maybe it's whatever within ourselves. But I think, man, they've got it. I think they have a connection with God better than somebody over here. I'm not just walking down the street and going, hey, uh, you look like a nice person. Would you pray for me? No, but when I think of somebody that's got it together, their righteousness with God, they, they have the Holy Spirit upon them. I think and I, I want to go to them and say, hey, I have a, I have a major need. Would you, would you lift that up? Here again, we have a just and devout man. It was revealed to him that he would not die before he saw the Christ. I think often that we lack in faithfulness because we lack in our ability to hear. We lack in faithfulness because we lack in our ability to hear. you know why many times we lack in our ability to hear? Because how do we hear? (laughs) Through God's Word. God speaks to us through his word. So when I think of this man, and I think of of who he was based on these things, and I, I go back to the point is, what... Of what was he, How was he faithful? He was, he was waiting faithfully. Well, what did he do while he waited faithfully? I have to assume, based on what I'm reading, that he was righteous, that he was devout, that he was blameless, that he was all these things. I have to assume that he was grounded and that he knew God through God's Word. I just That's all that I have to go through, or to go by. And so as I look at that and I think, okay, so we've got this guy who was this, He was faithful. He was was righteous. And it says in 26, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. So here's this man that's been waiting and waiting and waiting. And the Holy Spirit says... Go to the temple now. I don't know if he lived in Jerusalem. I don't know if he lived down the road. Again, we don't know much about Simeon. But he listened to God. He obeyed God. And he went to the temple. And as he's at the temple, again, this isn't just something where this is the only couple that's walking down the road that day. He was walking down to the temple, standing at the temple. I don't know if he stood at the doorway. I don't know where he was. I don't know if he was outside in the the kind of congregation gathering area. I don't know. But here's what it says. That he waited. Well, he went. If I can find my spot. He came by the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. I don't know about you. I have, I, I have four children. If any random stranger thought they were going to walk up to me or my wife at any random time while I'm at Walmart and be like, Hey, by the way, let me tell you what's going to happen with your child. I'm probably going to not be a very nice guy. I don't know about you. We live in a crazy day. And if some random guy walked up to your baby and was like, hmm. You're going to like, whoa. You're going to step in front of the car seat. You're going to step in front of the stroller, whatever it is. You're going to be like, stop. Time out. This man, Simeon, walks up to Mary and Joseph and grabs the baby. That boggles my mind. Because the only way that he would have known anything was by what? Listening to the Holy Spirit. How they faithfully waited. This man faithfully waited a hundred years. And here he is. He took him in his arms and blessed God and said, The Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. We have two couples right now that are about to give birth in the next month and a half, two months. And it's their first, so there's nobody going to be within like so many feet of them without having sanitized their body, jumped into the stuff and came back out because there's no germs coming. But I'm going to guess, again, that no one's going to just walk up to them and grab that child. And here, Mary and Joseph see Simeon. And I don't know if he went from child to child. I don't know if every couple that came in. Again, every 41 days... People were coming because this was a part of the custom. Jesus wasn't the only baby that came to the temple that day. I can assume. But here he is. And he walks and he grabs this baby. And not only does he he bless it, but it says, Now I've seen God. I can now depart. Here's what that says to me. I'm just going to use one word. Salvation. Salvation. You know what salvation does to me? What it does for you? It allows me to say, now I can depart. Now I can go freely. Now I'm no longer in bondage. Now there's an understanding that once this life is over, there is something over there. Now I am ready to go. I sat, and I'm gonna share this little story, but I sat on Friday afternoon with Murray, Murray and myself and Rita. There was a, initially she just kept saying, how am I going to know that this happened to me? How do I feel it? How do I feel it? How do I feel it? And I'm like, I I can't explain to you what you're going to feel. But she said, she just got to a place and she goes, I I need that. I want that. And I never had to ask her how she felt. Do you know why? She told me how she felt. A ton of bricks, she said this, a ton of bricks was just lifted off my back. You know what this guy felt? He felt a ton of bricks that was just lifted off of his back. He beheld, he held Christ. And he looked at God in his eyes at 41 days old and he said, I can now leave. I can now die. Why? Why? Because he listened. Because he listened. For a hundred years, he listened. Maybe. Again, I don't know the time frame. But as we go through our life and as we do all of these things, as we, we come and we so often don't listen, we aren't faithful to God because we can't hear. We're not faithful to God because there's so many things in our lives we just can't hear. Christmas, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Shoot me, have you been to Walmart? There ain't nothing wonderful at this time of the year at Walmart. Nothing. That song's not playing in their radio. <laughs> but it is. But here's why, or actually, I'm getting completely off. But it's the season where we recognize craziness and busyness. People are going mad. I almost hit a Rolls-Royce the other day. I wish I had because they had a lot more money than I did, and it was not my fault. No, they're completely oblivious to the fact that there was a vehicle on the road beside them. Because the lane that I was in was apparently better than theirs. We are go, 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 go. That's not just Christmas. That's every day for most of us. And there's so much going on, we don't hear any longer. This man, Simeon, at 113, heard and understood and walked himself to the temple because the Holy Spirit told him to go. The second point this morning is they worshipped. They worshipped. Looking at this passage and having a general understanding of the times that were, it would be tough it had to have been tough. It had to have been different. I don't I don't know. But the four hundred years of silence could not have been the the greatest spiritual awakening ever. I can't imagine that there was a lot of shouting and joyous and all of these things at that time. Many who did not believe. Many who had said it oh, I'd imagine, oh, I've heard that story, I've heard that story, there's somebody coming, there's somebody coming, there's somebody coming, it's just been quiet, there's, there are none, there, it's, there, nothing's happening. This man, Simeon, picks up baby Jesus, looks at him and says, finally I can depart, finally I can go in peace, finally I see that salvation is at hand. There is no more to fear. There is no more hurt. There is no more pain. There is none of these things that, 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 that can hold me down, so to speak. I ask this question often, if you remember the moment that you came to Christ, but do you remember the moment of coming into the presence of your Savior? Though we never saw Jesus Christ face to face, nor have we our Heavenly Father. But do you remember the moment when you walked into the presence where you accepted that and the the Holy Spirit just came over you? This this is one of the things that blows my mind. I've held a lot of babies. At 41 days old, he knew that was a Christ. I don't know that there was a glow. I don't I don't know if he just looked like one of mine. I don't know. He may I I don't know. I'm assuming he was a baby in flesh. I'm assuming he looked like any of our children. But that that he would walk up and go that's the Christ. Other than hearing was there like a, a sign? Was there something? Was it, I, I, don't, I don't know. But they stopped and they just worshipped. If we were to go kind of skip ahead a little bit. And we were to look at Anna. In verse 36 is where it starts. A prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, a tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. So she herself was about the same age as Simeon. She was married at, as a teenager, is what is, is the study is that says. She was probably married and as a, as a teenager, which was cultural, which was normal. She was married for, it says here, seven years. So she may have been 14, 16, whatever years old that she got married. She was married for seven years, and then her husband died. She became a widow at a young age. And for the next 84 years, she lived around the temple, at and around the temple, worshiping God. That is pretty remarkable. That would be like you or I living outside here. And any time these doors were open, all you did, and if you read it, she prayed and fasted. And worshipped God. She served God with fastings and prayers. Night and day. Do you know why she could have waited? (laughs) She served a God. That was very real to her. We, We wonder sometimes. And. I, I can't see God, I, I just have to believe. I have to live in faith and all these things, and we get it. Here's a lady for 84 years, night and day, sat outside the gates of the temple. Had some type of housing that was where she was able to be taken care of. And for 84 years, she would worship God. Waiting for the Messiah. We have the Messiah and have a hard time worshiping for longer than an hour in a church service. We have the Messiah. We have the risen Lord. We have all of this. They were trusting in what God had told them was going to come. And they were waiting and waiting and waiting. Many had given up. But they faithfully waited for a Savior. And they did it. And they were able to because they worshipped. And I'm going to wrap up with this last point. Because of their faithfulness, because they listened... And because they worshiped, here's what they did. Both of them spoke boldly. If we were to go back up to Simeon's story, we see that in verse 29, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, because that's what he's, he was told, when you won't die until we see me. In verse 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Could you imagine that? I'm holding, I come to you, I hold your baby, and then I let you know, hey. And I kind of go through this whole thing and telling you these things. And then he goes on and he says this. Joseph, his mother, marveled at those things which were spoken of him in 34. And Simeon blessed them, so he gives back the baby, and he says, Listen, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. And also, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So not only did he come and he, when he, when he held this baby, he kind of worshiped the baby and he said he he recognized the salvation that came upon him. But he gives the baby back and he looks at mom and dad, he looks at Mary and Joseph, and he basically prophesies to them. This child will be the fall and the rising of many in Israel. Many will fall because of this child. Many will rise up because of this child. Hey, not only that, but this child is a sign which will be spoken against. And then he looks at Mary, and everything that I've read said that this is pointed directly at Mary a sword shall pierce through your own soul also. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I'm going to be very quick going through some of these and kind of stating what this is. But if we look at the fall, and the fall and rising again of many in Israel, the fall is speaking of a stone. And if we go throughout Scripture from the old and new, We would look at the Messiah being called a rejected cornerstone. In Luke chapter 20 and Psalms chapter 118 and Acts chapter 4, all of those speak of him as a rejected cornerstone. The nation of Israel would stumble over him in Isaiah. Because of Jesus Christ, many in Israel would fall in conviction and then rise in salvation. Today, God's people, Israel, stumble over the cross. Speaks of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And they don't understand that Jesus is their rock. It's always interesting to me, the parallel of Scripture from old and new. That in the old, He was called a rock In the old, he was it was foretold that people would stumble and fall over that. And here in the new, we have Simeon looking at Mary and Joseph and saying, This baby is going to be the the fall of many. But not only that, he'll be the rising of many. So he speaks of the fall and the rise, the, the stone. He speaks of a sign, a miracle not so much as a demonstration of power but as a revelation of divine truth our lord's miracles if we look in john they're called signs because they reveal special truths about him jesus christ is god's miracle and yet instead of admiring him the people attack him and spoke against him his birth was a miracle yet they slandered it in john they said His miracles were done in the power of Satan in Matthew and that his character was questionable throughout John. They slandered his death in Matthew and Psalms and lied about his resurrection in Matthew. Today, people still speak against and against his coming again. The way people speak about Christ is evidence of what's in their heart. He is not only the salvation stone... He is a judgment stone as it reads in Daniel. He is also the touchstone that exposes what people are really like. When Matthew and Matthew it says when Jesus looks at them and says, "What do you think of me?" Is that not one of the most question, important questions we could ever answer? Is what do you think of Christ? Then he speaks of a sword, suffering and sorrow. She would bear as the mother of the Messiah. During our Lord's life and ministry, Mary did experience more and more sorrow until one day she stood by His cross and saw Him suffer and die. However, without minimizing her devotion, Mary's personal pain must not in any way be made part of Christ's redemptive work. Only He could die for the sins of the world. If we look at this, Simeon was speaking prophetically to Mary and Joseph as he told them of the fall, as he shared that he would be a sign, as he spoke of the sword that would pierce through, through their heart as, they, as Mary would watch her son die on a cross. Then we go back and we go down to Anna's testimony and to Anna's story. And in verse number 38 it says, "...and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of Him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. As I think of the weight that these two individuals had, and I think of the fact that they listened, I think to the fact that they worshipped because of those things, because of their faithfulness, because of them being open to the fact that they would listen to God's voice. They did something that many of us have a hard time doing and they spoke boldly on behalf of God. She could have easily, I don't know what came of that, but she could have easily probably been in grave danger to stand at the temple and tell everybody of the Christ child that was there. Who knows what could have happened? What would happen to you if I grabbed your baby and I looked at you in the eye and said, He's going to be the fall of many. Your child is going to be the fall of many. Your child is going to be the sword that's going to pierce through your heart. I don't know about you, but I'm probably going to not be a happy dude. They both spoke boldly where maybe it wasn't, quote unquote, their place to do so. I don't know. This morning I know it's maybe a A little bit of a different Christmas story. Something that we may not always go to or speak about. But I want to ask you the question Are you faithfully waiting? Do you listen to the voice of God? Do you worship Christ Almighty? And because of those things, do you speak boldly of who He is? It says so much about our walk with Him. It says so much about Him. It says so much about us. When we love, we speak boldly of whatever that thing is. We have the single greatest, most powerful, I don't know if you call it a being, God, ever. We don't listen. Too many times we don't worship. Therefore, it's far too difficult to speak boldly of who he is. Father God, this morning I thank you. Lord, this passage of scripture just, it spoke to me in maybe a little different way over Christmas. But God, I I couldn't help but... Think of a man who was 113 years of age, who was led by you, your spirit. Lord, I couldn't help but think of a a lady who faithfully prayed and fasted night and day. And as she saw Christ, she went and worshipped him and then left and told everybody else about. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.